on. Bougie boy. Limited, limited model. Come on. You know me. Cameron is biting my finger, and then <laughs> he's just like the one finger, and he won't, look at this. He won't let go of it. <laughs> he's a little nibbler, dude. What I, I did that, to him. that guy. Sure, I'm going the right All way. right, let's let's fucking start this thing. All right, you ready? Yeah, let's get it. All right, welcome back to episode whatever we're on. That we literally the last time we recorded, Camber, you need please go away. The last time we recorded an episode was after Moab with Kyle, so it was like this time last year so it's probably been a year since we actually recorded an episode um if it's yeah. not obvious it will be in a second steven is not here uh he will be back in the future but he's not here for this one um it's just me and tuan because tuan was bugging me to get the podcast up and going again so i fucking bullied him into uh recording with me yeah and i bullied <laughs> yeah i was hoping you'd do it in the shower on video but this is what we got That's the next episode next one Next one. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but by bowling, Tuan, I messaged him about 25, well, it's probably more than that, probably an hour ago, and said podcast, and he said, yeah. So he's driving right now, so if you hear any road noise or anything like that, that's uh, yeah. from Tuan driving. But like I yeah. said, it's been like a year since we've done a podcast, and I know a decent amount has changed on both are everyone's rigs, including Steven's, that's not here, but we'll get an update from that on him in the future. We'll also get an update from Kyle in the future. And I think the easiest way to play this in the future is to not have all four of us on here every week and just be able to do it in the sense of individual people can record um, with each other or yeah, with yeah. other people or whatever. So kind of do the four of us um in different groups with each other and then with other guests or whatever so the goal is uh to like me do an episode with tuan or tuan do an episode with someone or kyle do an episode with someone or steven or whatever and then kind of just grow up from there so you don't hear the same random voices all the time uh the process that we use to record is super easy um so any of these guys can log into the account and start the recording and then i can edit it or whatever from there so it's not that hard but yeah. Anyway, okay. Juan, okay. I know that the last time we talked, I listened to the podcast while I was waiting for you to get on. Um, yeah. The last time that we talked, it was uh, basically you had taken the GX to Moab. It was on a three-inch Dobbinson lift. Um, it was super simple. Uh, yeah, yeah. Simple, and, effective. And, right. Yeah. No front locker, 35s. Yeah. And I know that it, that's kind of, and we even had this conversation today, that's kind of how us as a group like to roll anyway, where yeah. rigs look very, very simple, but underneath them is much more than that. Yeah. Uh, so where are you at currently on the old GX? On the GX currently? Yeah. Okay. On the GX currently... Well, currently it's at my front in my front yard, and it's been like that for the past couple months. Um, so yeah, I started installing the long travel, the LSA long travel, maybe about three months ago. Yeah, about three months ago, and um, 
and song went pretty smooth for the most part. Really no major issues. And by me installing, I mean just installing like the lower arms and the upper arms, right? Because it's still far from being dialed in. Um, so, yeah, got that in there. Um, at this point right now, I'm waiting for axles. And um, from the last month, month and a half that, you know, calling around, I, I called probably, I don't know, five, six different companies you know, that, that, that do axles. Um, so my initial game plan was to go RCBs. Um, but I, you know, I did read that, you know, people have broken them on, on, the, on that setup, on that platform. So I was kind of second guessing it because even though they are lifetime, you know, realistically on the trail, you would need a third one, right? Which is another thousand bucks, 1200 bucks, um, to run it. And the lifetime really doesn't help you when you're in the middle of the trail with a snapped axle or whatever may be the case. Um, so yeah, so I'm not, I'm sure I'm going to go with RCV at some point. But I started looking to my different options, right? And uh, next up on the list for me was uh, the Porsche 934 axle from uh, JD Fab, and they seem to make pretty pretty solid products, right? So gave them a call, um, talked to them a while back and forth about you know what my options were, you know things like that. And, and the problem with my setup is that it's, it's just not it's a four and a half kit, four and a half over kit, but since it's a fabricated spindle, it's not that straightforward, right? Because the spindle could be offset different from where the factory one was. So for them to just build me a four and a half axle, um, it's unlikely it'll fit perfectly. And they said, I might have to take apart the axle and trim it to size, things like that. And I wasn't really too fond of that because, you know, I'm already making so many changes on the GX. I didn't want to have another guessing piece onto the car um, and for those that, people that don't know yeah. the 930 uh the the porsche inner cvs the plunging joint has a lot less plunge than uh a toyota joint does exactly on a, on a toyota joint you on the inner you have so much plunge so when they're making a two and a half inch kit any two and a half inch shaft works for any two and a half inch kit or two inch kit there's i don't think there's any two and a half any three and a half inch shaft works for any three and a half inch kit because the Toyota shaft has so much plunge versus the <clears throat> Porsche enters the, the, you have to have the shaft exactly the right length. And it's kind of even dependent on how much your lower cam bolts, uh, or the camber is in and out. Cause that can move the spindle in and out too. Um, and it can get closer and make that, uh, that CV start to bind. So that's why a lot of people haven't even done the 930 uh, CV thing because those have been used in a bunch of different vehicles for a long time because that yep. CV is so strong. Uh, and that's why we haven't seen it that much. And JD is yeah. really the only one that does it, but it is very dialed with their setup. Yeah. And, and the thing people don't understand is that it's not so much so that the inner cup has strength, right? Because we really don't have issues with the inner cup. Most of the time in IFS setups, it's the issue with the outer cup breaking, right? But the, yep. what the 930 um, axle does is that it addresses the, the binding portion of that, right? Because ours, our dive style cups, they basically create a bind where the lobes are, right? And that binds on where the shaft is. And that bind basically sends force outwards in a different sense, right? Which causes stress on the outer portion of that axle, which is the outer cup. And that, in that sense, that breaks. So the reducing the amount of i think dive right like you were saying dive in the cup and dive in the bind 
like the 930 axle has a complete like almost like a 360 motion i can it's like a swivel socket with you know ball bearings all around it's, it's really fluid you know there's no binding points really and uh and it doesn't dive so it's very consistent but again yeah through the motion of travel on an ifs it has to be very particular in that sense or else it might not perform optimally at, at you know certain angles at steering angles or maximum bump or droop things like that so there's a lot of dialing in i, I didn't want to spend two grand to have to you know address another issue you know so, right yeah so and I that's one of those point, things where you end up yeah, getting right. so custom where it's like is it is it worth it at that point like yeah. we've talked about this a bunch like is yeah i don't want to have my is car running for five years, like right? 200 series racks or yeah, yeah. right yeah, so it's just, yeah, that's one of the things. So I think at this point right now, what I'm going to go with, um, so Taylor Ben, you know, um, he's up north. He's taking apart his front end right now, and he has BTF, a, a four-and-a-half BTF. So my game plan was once he has that apart, I'm actually going to borrow his axles, which are from BTF, and test fit them on my car and see if, if it can work, you know, 80, 80%, 90%, right, for what I need. And then after that, then I think I'm going to go forward. I'm probably most likely going to order them through BTF because they're only about a two-month wait time right now um, because they make their, all their own stuff, right? Besides the, the cups, they, they machine their own 300M uh, shafts and all that. So they're not outsourced, So which is a lot faster because I think RCV, um, RCV, LSK, um, I even called um, a company out in, uh, out, out in Colorado. I forgot what they're called. Um, they run Sherpas. Um, they make Sherpas uh, axles for their fourth gen. CVJ. Yep, CVJ. There you go. CVJ makes them. And I gave them a call. And they gave me a decent price, too. But again, on those shafts, I, I'm guessing they're all ordering them through the same supplier because they're all out about five to six months at minimal. Yep. So I'm looking at that or more if going through RCV, CVJ, LSK, right? Any of those companies right now, they're just out. No, there's basically no ETA at this point. Um, and part of the problem so, with RCV right now is like you hear, you know, four or five months lead time and then you hear people waiting eight months to a year for axle shafts right now. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and it's I, like I, it, even if they do have a lifetime warranty, are they going to be able to actually follow through with that? Lifetime exactly. Warranty? That's, exactly. That's another point thing for me. Right. Like like they, I get lifetime and then I break an axle, then I put an order in and then boom, I can't do it for another year. Right. So like. Real world world usage, I think, is important in, in our in our business. Being doing what we do, right? That's why, and I've this whole time, like, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you've been around. We and you and I've been wheeling together long enough that yeah. the OEM CVs. I think I broke two on a trail since I've met you, and one of them I actually broke the joint. Or and people don't even know this that listen to the podcast unless you follow me on Instagram. I actually broke the inner or where the the axle shaft goes into the inner joint right at the splines um so i actually broke the 300m 30 spline chromoly shaft instead of actually breaking the outer and the inner joint it did take out the outer joint when it broke or the inner joint when it broke but the outer is still fine yeah so for actual joints yeah. i've only broken one really since you and i yeah. have been wheeling together and yeah which is incredible. Obviously, obviously you know the kind of the, the stuff. amount of bumping you've done right. in Moab, you know, whatever. It's insane. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and so, yeah, like said, those joints and, and, and ETF uses those things, right? Right. Yeah. And so for you, if you, get, like, you can yeah, order yeah. three shafts and then 
you can have spare joints, which I think for BCF, you'll have to use Tacoma uh, or second gen Tacoma chat or joints, which strength mm-hmm. is negligible between the two of them. They're just a little bit harder to rebuild, which it obviously it's not like you're rebuilding them all the time, like your third gen is. So it's yeah. you're all, that will help. And then like we've talked about, and I've talked about on here before, I get my joints from junkyards and you're paying, you know, 60, 90 bucks for a joint with like 130,000 miles on it or something like that. And then I rebuild them off that. And I was like, I can rebuild a ton of joints and Mm -hmm. for the price of what RCVs cost. And I'm not putting the front diff at so much risk uh, running RCVs. Now I haven't heard really of anyone breaking front diffs with the RCVs um, from RCV or from nitro or anyone that I've actually talked to about it. So I don't think the front diff is as weak as I think it is, but yeah. <clears throat> it's nice having that CV as a fuse because even when you and I have had, or like I've broken joints on the trail, like the hardest one I ever changed, I had to cut part of the outer off to get the new axle nut on. And it still was yep. like 45 minutes to get it swapped out yeah. most of the time. Exactly. The last one I broke at Brown's camp, it was 15 minutes and we were back on the trail. I'd rather 15 minutes, Mind you, I was down my spare the whole rest of the weekend when we were at Browns, but it's like mm-hmm. with how often or not even often is not the right word, with how rarely I break them. Yeah. Going down, losing my spare and having to put it in the truck and keep wheeling on it. Worst case scenario, you break that and you're running stub shafts and you're done for the exactly. weekend. Like, it's not a huge thing. Exactly. And that, and that was my game plan. Like if I run the BKF axles, right, I'll run those until I you know, until I really dial in and figure out, you know, what lengths my center shaft really should be, right? Uh, and at that sense, I'll, I have it measured and all that to send out to those companies um, to have me build custom axles, CBJ, whatever may be the case. Because they, they do do a race setup, too. Mm-hmm. They do offer a race setup, which is what Sherpa is running on their setup. Okay. And then for me, again, I, di- I didn't want to yes, – yeah, so they offer like a regular, you know, long travel one, right, depending on whatever plus, plus – whatever over your kit is. Or they, they actually make a race version of that same axle you can order as well. right? But, again, I didn't want to put – you know, it's the, easily, you know – I'm probably in there three to four grand for the axles. I still don't know exactly, you know, my my my, num- my numbers. So it doesn't make sense to spend that type of money on it yet. Um, for sure. So then, if I do those down the line, my my BTF axles will be my will be my spares on the trail, right? Yep. So, so that that's my my game plan, I think. So. Yeah, a lot of people yeah, don't 100%. get the, like, the sense that like, oh, just throw on the long travel kit. You know, it should be easy. To, you know, should be easy. Whatever. They don't understand like there's a difference and this is a this is a huge thing in the social media world nowadays right and, and you and bo- i both are i i agree in, in you know in the sense I, I i imagine that it's throwing something on and dying dialing that that same thing that you've added on literally is a world of difference in terms of functionality and you know how everything moves how everything performs you know yeah, 100%. Like you, me, and Kevin talked about this fairly recently, I think. Um, maybe not together, but at least on our separately. But yeah, where uh, we spent hours, hours on the weekends and after work and stuff like that, changing the smallest thing to get mm-hmm. a little bit more performance yeah. out of a vehicle for something we're literally just using for recreation and it doesn't matter. Right. Like yeah. in reality, yeah. if we don't make a line, it doesn't matter. But yeah. with the way any of us are, but especially the three of us, where yeah. if we know we can tweak something 
and get an inch more ground clearance. Right. Or we can tweak something and get. And that's on like, a good day. Getting an inch ground clearance is the best great. all to get for what we, yeah. you know, what we do. Right. So <clears throat> that's why people have asked me a bunch recently, especially with the RCLT kit out, uh, like actually out and obtainable now. Yeah. When I'm going to switch to that kit, why I haven't switched to that kit yet. Am I planning to all this shit? And it's like, yep, yep. that kit works tremendously well. I'll give yeah, Marlon it that. Does. It's extremely strong. You get yeah. so much ground clearance out near the tires and everything like that, that you don't get a lot of on most of the kids. Uh, mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> but you're not getting travel numbers out of it. Like you're getting on uh, a lot of other kits that you can get, especially like your kit at being a four and a half kit or yeah, yeah four and a half. Yeah. Right. Yep, uh, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so <clears throat> you're kind of, I don't want to say limited with it. Yeah. But it's not it's not the best thing. Yeah. I don't want to say it's not the best thing on the market because <clears throat> for strength it is probably the best kit that yeah. you could buy for strength. Everything and, and is honestly, super beefy. It's a fabricated It's really symbol. well designed too. It's extremely mm -hmm. well executed in terms of what it's like specifically for, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it is and exactly what they mark it as. It is a rock yeah. crawling long travel kit. Now, mind you, Sherpa uh, runs it on their Ultra 4 car, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> they're not necessarily looking for the most travel numbers they can get out of, the best and the high speed. They're literally looking for the best of both worlds. So if they can yeah. deal with a little bit of the tuning nuances <clears throat> with mm -hmm. that RCLT kit, yeah. and they get all of that added strength, and sure, they might be limited on, you know, say an inch and a half, two inches of travel that they might get yeah. Out of another kit, <clears throat> that is a drop in the bucket compared to the strength that they're yep. getting from that kit. Because that 200 rack yeah. is so strong. The tie rods yeah. are so strong. Those yeah. RCVs are incredible. Uh, yeah. And so that's that's really good. The one, a few things that I've noticed with the kit, and I've only seen the kit one time in person. Um, mm -hmm. But from pictures I've seen, even that AMG posted the other day. Uh, it's crazy it's, clearance. It's, that it's thing on crazy 40s. clearance. Yeah. Yeah. It's same, nuts. It, same looking. it just, the only, my big complaint with it, and I think this is how they get away with what they're doing, is it seems like that kit, the way the arms are oriented, if you're yeah. using a factory bump stop location or their bump stop location, from what I can tell, now mind you, this is my opinion, it looks like you're limiting, not limiting up travel, but the way yeah. that arm comes out so high. And if you don't know what we're yeah. talking about, the RCLT kit, just Google it. But if you're also listening to us, yeah. you most likely know what the RC RCLT kit is. Um, most arms come straight out of the uh, lower control arm mounts from the frame, and they travel straight down linearly to the lower ball joint. Yeah. And their kit, the RCLT kit, comes uh, not out at an angle. It's basically at right height. It's parallel with the ground. So what that yeah. does is you're essentially moving that arm up uh, two inches um, from most of the other kits that you see on the market, which in turn means that you are losing two inches of up travel if you're yeah. running a bump stop in a factory yeah. location. It's, it's crazy that you, you talk about that because I do, I do notice that in some of the pictures, and I've thought about that before, how their design is in terms of how their shock mounts were, right, where it mounts and how far out or in it is, right, in terms of emotion ratio. I, I feel like a lot of the vehicles that i've seen on rclt they do seem like they're very sprung 
right? They're, they don't have a lot of compression rate. And I, and I don't know if it's shock tuning or what the, the owners chose to go with stiffer rates, spring rates or less spring rate, you know, not, but it doesn't seem like it has the amount of articulate or, or, or compression ratio that I'd imagine to come from yeah. the kit that required is for rock crawling, right? Right. And it, I do know, and this again, this is based off of what I can see on pictures compared to other kits and yeah. no other manufacturer gives out their measurements. So on a bunch of kits, I've actually measured from the Campbell to the shock mounting location and which is what would be your motion ratio, right? And on the RCLT kit, it is about as high of a motion ratio. So meaning the shock is mounted as close as it can be to the Campbell without having either a binding issues or clearance issues on other like on the frame or on the cv or on the uh tie rod at full lock um and which is really cool because for rock crawling that changes that lever a whole lot and i know yeah. that a lot of people are running them with very low spring rates which i'm a big fan of low spring rates on the front end of these trucks as well and i know most people that push these ifs platforms pretty hard are using a lower spring rate in the front um but with the way that mounts in the factory this is what i think the how they kind of get away with no cutting for 40s or no cutting for 37s or whatever yeah is they limit that up travel and people can say that they're still using the stock bump stop location which they are and the bump stop that i believe that comes with the kit yeah. is a very small poly pop and they put that in there and when you contact like on my kit i use a factory length dura bump and when you fully compress a dura bump to about the, the the puck is about an inch tall when it's fully compressed, maybe a little bit less than that. And that puts me two and a half inches up into my inner fender. And so I had to obviously cut my inner fenders out to clear that. On their kit, they give probably like a three quarter, it's maybe like an inch puck, uh, poly yeah. puck for the bump stop. And then there is a, the way that arm comes out and that arm is basically two inches closer to the bump stop. I'm just using two inches a round number, basically two inches yeah. closer to the bump stop than most other bump pads on any other kit that you look at. So it bumps out two inches earlier, which is fine if you can yeah. keep up for that on down travels, which is why you only see like, you know, a little more than 11 inches out of the, the two yeah. inch kits. And with the, the three and a half inch kits or whatever, three, seven, five or whatever they are, um, they're wider kits, you're looking at like maybe 13 inches, uh, yeah. 12 and a half, 13 inches, which, and that's on the bigger end. That's if you do some work. So I yep, think exactly. in my opinion, the proper way to run that kit would be to do the same thing that everyone else does is cut the inner fender out, but you also have to cut that factory bump perch that Toyota yeah. has on there off, put it's, a hydro on there. Yeah. It's insane to me that someone would spend 15 K on that kit and keep their factory bump stop. You know what right. I mean? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you're already trying to do it right. Just do it right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's, that's a and big I think, thing. Doing it right. I think that's a big gripe out of that kit that a lot of people look at. I know Kyle has brought it up to me. Um, I believe Warf has even brought it up. That it seems like that kit doesn't have a ton of travel. And with what I've seen people clearancing with using that kit, I look at it. And I'm like, you can get a lot more travel. I know yeah. you're going to be limited on down travel with RCVs. Like I couldn't run RCVs in my setup now because I have too much down travel because of how my CVs are modified and how my yeah. steering's modified. Uh, so if I was to just switch to RCVs, I'd have to limit my travel closer to that 12, 12 and a half inch range instead of being closer to 14. 
Um, and so I think you're a little bit limited on down travel with the RCLT kit. And to get the up travel that I think you should strive to get, you're going to be looking at cutting the factory bump mount off the frame, moving yeah. it up or going to a hydro, which I think you probably should anyway, if you're running that a kit like that. Yeah. So moving it up and running a hydro, but then you're going to yeah. be looking at pushing, uh, you know, that two inches up into your fender wells, and then you're going to be cutting your inner fenders and everything out. So I, I like the kit for a bolt on application for the fact that people can run bigger tires and stuff like that. But I, in yeah. my opinion, it looks to appear the same as if you literally were to take any kit, your LSK kit, your BTF kit, total chaos, Canberg, all pro, any of those, and put a two inch bump soft extension on it. It's essentially the same thing. They're just putting it into the arm. The benefit that yeah. you would be getting over that is you have so much clearance now on those arms, yeah. which is really cool. And I, and I feel like, and yeah, I feel like and I'm going like to be helping Austin. To... Yeah. Oh, Austin's getting it too. No, I feel like you, so Austin's oh. getting it for his, that's a black FJ. Yeah. I did the nine inch on for those yep, that yep. don't know. He's getting that kit and I'm going to be helping him install it. Um, and I will know obviously a lot more about the kit after that, after I do that. Um, and it'll be interesting because obviously he is kind of the same way we are. I just do obviously did the rear end work and the three link and everything for him. And if I tell him, I was like, you still need to cut this bump stop mount off and we need to tub the inner fenders and everything. I still think the kit's really cool because it does keep you really far away from the firewall. Like, yeah. Before this kit, the All Pro kit was the one that moved the wheel the furthest forward. Uh, yeah, and it's an seven five. Now right? this Something kit like moves it. No, yours, your your All Pro. Yeah, I think it's close to my mine moves it with the caster shifted all the way forward. So what from what I've seen is that a caster at a decent on road driving like three or four degree a caster, yeah. um, you're still getting like two inches of That's forward nice. ball joint movement out of the yeah. RCLT kit, which is huge. If yeah. you think you rub the firewall a little bit on 35s and you go up to a 37, which is only an inch bigger on the radius of the tire, yeah. so it only moves you an inch closer to the firewall, and now you're moving out two inches, you got your clearance, right? That's easy math. Yeah. And yeah. so on my kit, with the caster all the way forward, it looks to be about an inch and three quarter. But with my caster on like a proper uh, on-road driving setup, that would be ideal. Um, it's probably like inch and a quarter, um, which is still nice because I haven't had to do any work in my firewall besides hammer it out of the way. And I'm running right. obviously 38s and you wheel with me enough, you know, that shit clears just fine. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think the kit's really cool for certain aspects. I yeah. think they marketed it very well in the aspect that you can basically put it on anything and run a 37 and you can do a little bit of work, run a, you can probably easily run a 38 and maybe do a little bit of work and run a 40. And yeah. you have to cut and modify very little, and it is very strong. But I yeah. think to get big numbers out of it, like I think the kit should be used for, you're going to have to start cutting stuff away. Uh, yeah. Probably and cut your bump stop mount off, it up, and then not contact it. Yeah, and that's the detailed part we're talking about, right? Like the difference between putting something on and building it while you're putting it on with purpose to have it, you know, perform optimally, right? Right. 
And um, and yeah, that's and that's the thing. People just it's it's it, it, it is a world of difference, and it's hard to explain, right? It's hard to explain to someone that really doesn't do a lot of work, and which is fine, right? A lot of people don't do the work themselves, or they don't have the know-how or the tools or the energy or the time to do it, right? And I, I get that. I get that. I, but like like I say, unless you give a shop that's well versed in you know the industry, unless you give a shop a blank check in your car and an unlimited amount of time, that's the only way to get a car dialed in if you don't do it yourself, you know? And no one's spending that type of money. No, 100%. The only person yeah. in the quote-unquote Pacific Northwest that either A, has that time or ability is Kyle. He's the only yeah. person that's around here that's doing build qualities that yeah. meet up to the, the standards that exactly. you, know, you or me or any the, of us and, meet. And, and Yeah, his pricing is probably a fraction or maybe an eighth of the price of what a shop would actually charge someone. For yeah. sure, for sure. And his work, like he's one of those guys that's that, you know, really wants it to be perfect. And obviously with the packaging on these, like some stuff doesn't get to be perfect. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. But it's like it literally like it can be from like recently. I obviously cut my sliders and angled them up. And, yeah. Like, like that like, work you did, took, you know, hours and just no one. No is one ever is eight hours worth eight hours worth of work. And yeah. It looks way better. It does seem I've only wheeled it once since then. It seems to perform better already. And then like when I had my diff out recently, I cut my pinion guard and angled my pinion guard. I got at the at the lowest point, I got like an inch and a quarter more clearance out of my pinion guard. That's nice. That's super nice. Which is huge. And then now it's at an angle. So instead of using it as a shovel, it should more use it as a ramp. Uh, And it's it's little things like that. That I think, quote unquote, set you and me and Kevin and Kyle and Vince and these guys apart from the generic, you know, bolt on kit. And like, yeah, there's guys like, I mean, Lost in the Woods down in California is doing the same thing. Like if it's if it's not perfect, it's like, why waste your time doing it? And that's why, like, when people probably heard you in the beginning, like you started installing your LSK kit three months ago. What people don't understand is that's the first LSK kit to ever go on a GX. And uh, you're working with LSK to work on the development for it. And you don't want to cut any corners on what you're building. So one, you don't have to go back and redo all the work that you did. And you're probably going to work on minor changes and stuff like that instead of uh, big... you know, you do all this work for three months to get it all done, and then you have to go back and do half of it over again. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's and I know I'm going to have to do that, right? So, like, right? It's just gonna I don't know. What else do uh, you want to talk about? Just... <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. We didn't really talk about it. <laughs> but, um... No. I mean, we've been talking for like 20 minutes now, something like that. But, um... Yeah, I just... I, I feel like hopefully next time, you know, next another podcast we have, I have more updates on the GX, but. The funny thing is that people. A lot of people don't know this. Only some, a fair few do. You know, the, the foreigner was really getting limited 
in terms of what it had drivetrain wise, you know, so I, I wanted to hop to a stronger platform, right? Which is why I bought the GX. Um, and I bought the GX because I knew that the RCLT was coming out. Um, I was like the third or fourth on their list or something like that, like on their sign up list for a kit. So I was like one of the first. And um, I just, one year it was supposed to be released, you know, and then they backtracked it another year and then another year, right? So I was like, like two, two years, and like a couple of months. And I was like, oh, you know what? I can't wait for this anymore. You know, like I just, I have to move forward with the build. So, and I started looking around and ended up, and I ended up going with the LFK kit after I talked to Ryan at LSK and he was a super helpful dude and they're really good work with you know he just Brent he goes if you need anything give me a shout give me a call and they're straightforward they hey Tuan kill your video if it's um, yeah and then that's that's where GX is at now yeah and that dude I literally same boat when I got back from my lab Shut your video off because it's you're cutting in and out, and it's probably taking a lot of your okay. bandwidth. How do I shut my video off? Uh, like camera? Oh, there you go. Right there. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You're good. Uh, okay. Like when I got back from Moab the first time a few years ago, I was like, you know, it was mild. It was eight inch hill, thirty fives, mid travel front. It worked really, really well. But I was like. Now is the time to go to the next step. I knew I was planning on 37, so I wanted to long travel it. I was going to keep the rear axle on it as long as I could, relink it eventually. And Marlin had released that kit before we went down there. And when I got back, I literally called them like three or four times, emailed them, didn't get anything back. Finally, called them again, talked to someone, and I was like, I want to buy this kit. And they're like, well, it's prototype stage, blah, blah, blah. They had literally just had the actual kit release because... Uh, Big Mike was using that modified all pro kit before that. And then yeah. they actually had their first rendition. Yeah. I was like, I will buy a kit today. Like I'm ready to buy a long travel kit. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> we can do that in a couple months. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And yeah. then nothing happened. Yeah. I reached out again, nothing back. And I'm like, okay. And then I was yeah. able to uh, purchase that all pro kit, that first gen kit. Yeah. And with the research I did, I was like, for what I'm looking for, this kit seems like it's going to work really well. Its on-road characteristics are not as good as a lot of kits that are out there. And I was able to purchase it for a fraction of yeah. the cost of, I literally bought that kit for like what a, uh, uh -huh. like lower control arms for like a total chaos setup would be. And then I was able to make it work for what I needed. Yeah. Um, and so that's why like, I look at kits all the time. Now. I'm like, well Do I want this JD kit? Right. It does. It works well. And I was like, yeah. Is yeah. moving to a Marlin kit or that LSK kit like you have or like a JD kit, I was like, would spending all of that money be worth the little bit that I'm going to get out of it? Probably not. And that's where I always go back exactly. and forth on it. I was like, but. I feel like at some point when you do get bored with it, you'll probably make jump just to see, right? A test jump just just to see how more or less it forms, right? Like Right. When you get to that point, I feel like, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, that's with me, the GX. I just don't want to cut any corners, you know, like I, I already cut the factory bump stops off. I don't even have bump stops yet. Right. You know, I'm, I'm committed to it that much to where I know that I'm going to get these things. So I, when I do clearance it, you know, you know, up, uh, you know, max bump and droop, I do want to have its maximum performance and I'm worried about the body right now. I don't know how much of the body I'm going to have to lose and I don't want to lose a lot of the body. Right. Right. Cause that's the point of running a full body rig. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the game plan with it, and yeah, we're just waiting for the stuff to come in, 
and uh, you know, doing some testing and stuff, and just go from there. Just play it by yeah. game. Take my time with it. You know, I'm not rushing. Hundred so, percent. And it's like yeah, it. That's one of those kits, and like, like once you get everything dialed in, you like want to take your spring off the coilover and jack it up until it's like mechanical bind. Clear it there. Exactly. Because sure, you can bump it and everything, but like you want to bump it like a half inch from that max. You know. Uh, yeah travel of the coil over just a little bit and i get it like that's why i could probably get a little bit more up travel out of my kit if i really tried but it's like the same thing right now the way my inner my outer fenders are set up i've yeah i left them as good as i could i rolled them a little bit and then from just wheeling it and driving it and jumping it it's kind of pulled the fenders uh, where it looks really good. I don't want to take big cuts out of my fenders. I think that does look cool on some rigs, but that's not really the look I'm going for. I And when yeah. I say I could get more travel out of it, like I'm probably talking like a half inch of travel out of it. Is, pulling a half, is adding a half inch of travel worth cutting the shit out of everything now? It's like... Right, right. And especially with and you it, on a GX, yeah. you're going to be even more limited because your inner fender is smaller, your outer fender is smaller, and so you're going to be yeah. cutting everything that I cut and a significant amount more. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not looking forward to that. You know, I do love a, a nice full-body rig that's well-built, and it's just, you know, it's just well-versed in, in, in what it does. And that's going to be hard for me, so I'll, show, I'll figure a way. Can we talk shit about happens. all the guys at Best of the West? Oh, dude. Best yeah. of the West, you might as well. That's why you and I are never going to Best of the West. Buggy. Yeah, like I don't, I don't get. I've been doing yeah. a rough buggy. Like I, get, I get it. It's cool now. Like taking the full body rig through there, but you literally destroy your car. So I don't get that. Like I, to me, that's not right. And you know what I mean. Warpath did say that the guys that wanted to keep their rigs clean did keep their rigs clean, but yeah. I will say sense, I don't know everyone that was there, but I follow. Right, I have to. I follow a lot of the people that went, and everyone that I follow took bad, bad body yeah. damage. And now I'm going to be waiting for a text message. Yeah. I'm waiting for the text from Kyle after this goes live that fuck you, pussy, blah, 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 all this shit. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) I know we're both going to get one. I know it's going to happen, but fuck you, Kyle, for one. Like, let's just get that over with. It's you and I have talked about this so many times. It's like I talked about salt axling my rig and you've even talked about it and then we're like yeah. but one ifs is cool because when we were in when we were in moab like on pritchett the whole time like like every time i complain obstacle i was like well i didn't think that was going to happen when we yeah. were at brown's camp last year and we had nine ifs rigs or whatever it was on fucking lower crushers one of the hardest trails in oregon uh yeah that was cool and you and I have talked about it to an aspect where you get so far into the build, the the trails that are quote unquote difficult become easy, and then you start exactly. doing dumber shit. And the more yeah. dumb shit you do, the more body damage you're going to take. And exactly. if I'm going to take that much body damage, I prefer not to have body panels. Yeah. No, I mean I, that's and that's what I'm getting to, right? I'm like I'm getting to the point. Like, do I want to go with 40s in the GX? Do I, and the thing that doesn't make for me. Right now, for me to – and there's that line for me, right? There's, if I'm crossing that line of full-bodied rigs and, like, really, like, I'm, like, 99% going to damage my body on this trail, at that point, I'm just going to build a buggy. Right. I'm going to fuck around, 
and go straight to it and literally want to, if I'm going to flip upside down and then turn myself upside down on a, on a crevice or a valley, I would love to do that, you know, but I'm going to save my body rig. You know, I'm not going to go hard. Yeah. Like and you and me and everyone that we wheel with, even Vince and Nick, like obviously the two solid axle guys that we wheel with all the time, um, yeah. are like, none of us like body damage. And yeah. There's obviously the inevitable times where like you're gonna you're you're twenty yeah. miles deep into a trail and like yeah. you're gonna like you're gonna hit something and like there's that and then there's just either I don't wanna say poor driving because like body damage ninety percent of the time is inevitable because yeah. no one really wants it. But it's like yeah. if I have to pull winch line to not get body damage, I'm chill with that. Like yeah. Yeah. I would much rather have you talk shit to me for the next three months that I pulled line yeah. on an obstacle than you talk yeah. shit to me for the next three months that I blew my fucking driver's side window out or something. Exactly. Like, that's way worse. Like, I, I would always remember that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, who remembers the amount of times you broke a CV or not broke a CV or whatever, rest the rear pinion gear or whatever, right? Like, it's just, but like, you smash a window, you jam in a door, and like, dude, that was fucking rough. Yeah, you and any time I've got body damage, literally, I, like, leave instantly, and I go home, and I fix it. I'm like, I ain't having yeah. it. It like, bothers me. Yeah, like, even, like, even in my dick, like, I have, like, a little dent by the gas tank going. It's been bothering the hell out of me. Yeah. But I've been thinking about maybe painting the car, so I don't know. But, yeah, I feel that, for sure. I've hit every corner of the FJ, the both rear quarter panels, both yeah. front quarter panels. And, like, sure, they're not... If you look at it with a detail on that or something, they're not even close to being perfect. I've hit both the doors and stuff like that, but like I keep it in the aspect. And when I destroyed a front fender really bad, I replaced it and had it painted. The fender was like 250 bucks and getting it repainted was like 380 bucks. So it was like a $700 yeah, right? ordeal. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I'm like, nah, I ain't driving around with a completely smashed, you know, right. front fender or something like that. And if I hurt it bad enough, like in a spot that I can't get it out, you're sure as shit that shit's going to be at a body shop getting pulled out. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I get the body damage thing, and I get, like, taking it, you know, to, like, a, a extreme challenge to getting down with it. I, I understand that. I get it. Like, if that's their main goal of just going out to literally just to drive it like that, that you know, that's, that's them. But for me, I love, a, like, going through, like, a rough trail with a clean body rig, doing some gnarly shit, getting back off the trail, and driving home. And, like, and your rig still looks good when you wash it. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. to me, that's, that's the vibe. I literally bought like a hundred dollars in detailing stuff today because like, I want to be able to, you know, uh, paint, correct my shit, make it look good. So when I'm driving it around, it looks really nice. And then I also go beat the hell out of it. So when people scroll through my Instagram, they're confused whether it's a mall crawler or whether it gets beat every day. Right. Yeah. People tell me all the time with the forum, they're like, man, this body's so clean. I'm like, you think so, man? I watch it all the time. You yeah, know, I, I know the things and dances on it, you know, but right, but yeah, like you know, like to me, that's I didn't build this thing to smash it on the side of a rock, you know. I mean, yeah. even though that does happen sometimes, that's not the goal, yeah, you know, 100% but, it happens sometimes, but it's like yeah. it's it's just not worth it. Like, mm-hmm. I've never completed it, I've never gotten body damage somewhere and then been happy I made the obstacle but took body damage, right. and right. maybe we're pussies for that, and maybe. People are going to talk shit to us, but it's like, I don't know. Kyle's truck is sick. And when I look at it, like half the time, I don't even see the body damage. But if his, if he did the same thing that he does now and that truck was mint on the outside, it would be even better. 
Yeah, exactly. I had to shame him into buying new headlights because he had a broken yeah. headlight for like six that, months. That headlight's been broken for fucking years. I don't even know how long it's been like that. Yeah. 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 So, well, right. I guess we can wrap cool. it up here because I know you got stuff to do. Yep, yep. Better go check out 350Z here. Oh, yeah. Well, sideways. hopefully everyone enjoyed this podcast. Um, Thank you for joining us, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us, and I really hope in the future we can do more than these. I'm pretty sure the last, like, eight podcasts have been We're Back from the Dead, and then we don't record for a year. Um, yeah. But hopefully now we can get it set up between the four of us where <clears throat> we can record enough to where uh, it will make sense for everyone, and then obviously you're not hearing the same person every week, and then we can all yeah. shit-talk each other kind of like we're doing to yeah. Kyle right now <laughs> um, without part. the other That's person the being there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. anyway, Twan, it was good talking to you. Um, okay. Stay out of trouble. Okay. Enjoy yeah. buying more cars because you don't have enough already. <laughs> All right. All right, man. All right. Bye. Better, man. Better, guys.